probably wondering how I got in this situation. Well, that's easy. I edit this podcast and I just edited myself the fuck in. So I wanted to preface this podcast to let you know that this is an interview with brilliant actor Doug Jones recorded about six years ago in 2015 for the previous incarnation of our podcast, Danger Explosion. So I think it was a great episode and If you have an exclusive interview with Doug Jones and you are now hosting a horror podcast, you don't just let that shit sit on the shelf. You dust that off and you put that back out there. So it's a great interview. I think it's a lot of fun. We had a blast talking to Doug Jones. He talks about a lot of his projects he's been a part of from Hocus Pocus to Hellboy to Pan's Labyrinth, all this stuff with Guillermo del Toro, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Just any and everything. Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. It's a great conversation, so I hope you enjoy this episode of Head Cannon. Like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to joke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from. Put your dead son in a cemetery. It's him or carry. Be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have a gentleman by the by the name of Doug Jones. Hello, Doug. Hello. Hello. You may know Doug from uh, from such things as uh, Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, The Flash, Falling Skies. It, pretty much anything, you're in it, right? Is that is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I tell people. If you've ever watched TV, you've seen me. Right. That, no, and I, and I don't say that at all. Are you kidding? Um, but, but uh, no, I, I, I'm the guy who wears lots of crazy makeups often. Mm-hmm. Um, but more recently, I've been doing more with my own face. So yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a smattering of of, of weird, quirky. Uh, yeah, if I've played human beings, they've been funny or scary. I, I learned that early on that I didn't have a, ch- a chance of being a romantic lead. But um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, but I, I've been working for almost uh, thirty years in the showbiz, so I've just I've just had as as an old person does, I've had time to rack up some credits. That's all. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, yeah, and I was just you know I was going to say probably any because I'm I'm thirty years old, and I would say anybody myself or or you know younger you know in the twenty to thirty range uh, probably has had 
their childhood shaped at least somewhat by things that you have done. Oh, wow. Well, that, that's a huge responsibility. And I'm not sure I, I want to take credit for that. <laughs> well, I didn't say it was a good thing, but it's... It depends, uh, it depends on if you turned out well or not. I don't know. Right. Well, and, and so you're from Indianapolis originally? I am. I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, and um, I went to Bishop Chatard High School. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, then when I graduated, I went off to Ball State University. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, but it, at, at Chatard, that's where I... Aside from running track and cross country, I also di- di- discovered the stage. <laughs> yeah. um, anytime there was anything that, that happened on stage, whether it was the fall play or the spring musical or a pep rally that needed a skit, I was the guy uh, on stage. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And is that so you got your love of, uh, of theater there? And then I know you're a contortionist as well. When, where, where did, when did that come in? Right. You wonder about that, don't you? Like, where did, how does someone even know they are one, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Your know. Your parents were I like, mean... we're shipping you to boarding school, but it was like Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It was from being tortured at war. Uh, no, I, um, uh, the contortionist thing was just more of a sitting around at, at home in weird positions and having three older brothers that were like, that looks really weird when you sit like that. Right. And like, oh, oh, you think that looks weird? Well, then try this. And so I would just stretch farther and like, oh, my gosh, get away. <laughs> so my, my legs can go behind my head, and that's something awesome. I've, I've always been able to do, which makes you very popular in certain circles, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, so what, what kind of work do you do as a, as a contortionist? Well, other uh, than, and, other and than I, contorting. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's almost. <laughs> well, what do you think? I, know it, uh, uh, I, I never traveled with the circus. Like I never had an act. You know, like mm-hmm. Doug Jones, the contortionist. Right. Um, it's more of like I'm kind of a one trick pony. It's a, my little party gag is I can put my legs behind my head. So, but that's uh, it goes on your resume, and then it it starts becoming a special skill. Uh, wow. So a lot of TV commercials would would call for me to bend up funny. Um, you know, uh, sight gags on sitcoms or, uh, and it came in handy, uh, when I, um, gosh, in 2001, we were filming, uh, the time machine, the okay. time machine remake oh, from nice. the 1960 yeah. version with Guy Pierce, right? Boom. With Guy Pierce. Correct. Yeah. I was the lead spy Morlock in that. Well, Stan Winston studios, the Oscar winning team that brought you, uh, Jurassic park, mm-hmm. um, those dinosaurs, uh, they, <laughs> Uh, they had sculpted a maquette, which is a, a scaled down version of what a character is going to look like. It's a, a sculpture mm-hmm. of these spy Morlock. Uh, the, the, so this would be the prototype of what the spy Morlocks would look like. And so it was a long, lanky, spindly thing with elongated arms. And it was in a squatty, the sculptor, the artist put it in a very squatty position with the knees way up over the shoulders kind of like shooting a dart. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so it was, the team got together and said, Oh, this is beautiful. And then they scratched their heads going, do we know anybody who can, who can do this? <laughs> so that's when I got a phone call, like, yeah, Doug, call Doug Jones. So, <laughs> sure, yeah. So, uh, so being bendy and pliable came in handy for something like that. And so that's happened a few times for costume jobs as well. But I also did a, I don't know if you remember, uh, Oh, I'm going to forget his name now. Um, uh, oh, God, boy, this, this, this uh, memory issue is a problem. Um, uh, Polly Shore. That's right. No, look close. <laughs> um, so Abe Sapien was really supposed to be Gumby. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, uh, no, uh, he, was on, he was on the David Letterman show uh, in the early days. Chris 
uh, Chris, Chris, Chris. Uh, what's the last name? Help sure. me. Um, I don't know. Was it? I, was it Chris Parnell? Did he do stuff on Letterman? No. Uh, well, I mean, he might not. Who I'm thinking of? Uh, right. uh, Chris, the guy who 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 uh, bald blonde uh, <laughs> cabin boy was his movie that he saw. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Chris Elliot. Yeah. Chris Elliot. Elliot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Elliot. Thank you, thank right. you, thank you. Chris Elliot uh, had a sitcom for a while uh, called Get a Life. Okay. And he, play, he played an adult paper boy, and that still <laughs> lived with his parents. And uh, they had they brought me on to get a life because there was a sight gag where he was sitting with his his young paper boy friends at a, at a diner they would always visit, and uh, he grossed them out by putting his legs behind his head and crawling out of the room. Well, they I was his double for that. Uh, so, <laughs> so you know, th- it, little little gags came in handy in the in my early years. Uh, having contortionist on my resume he just came in handy. It got me some gigs I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Right, right. That's excellent. And and so, how? What was your transition from uh, from college into doing movies and television? Did you move out to to New York or LA thinking that the, that that's what you wanted to do, or how'd that come about? Kind of. It, it took me a minute. Um, uh, faster than I thought, uh, but but still, it took it took. Him. I I when I graduated Ball State, um, I graduated with a a degree of my bachelor's in radio and TV broadcasting with mm. a minor in theater. Okay, and you've got a fantastic so, voice, by the absolutely. way, so that makes sense. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, my first job out of college, uh, I had auditioned for and got into King's Island, as, <laughs> nice. uh, which I was so excited because uh, as a mime. Uh-huh, okay. I, I, I walked around International Street where the Eiffel Tower is yeah. there. Uh, and I was in uh, dressed up as a French mime uh, for you know six different twenty minute segments per day. I would walk around and scare children. Basically, <laughs> I thought I was going to be entertaining people, uh-huh. but by the end of the summer, I realized I was just there to make children cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's there are worse gigs than that, I'm sure. <laughs> I suppose, but yeah, it's funny because you know. Um, Cincinnati, Ohio, where Kings Island is, is very close to Kentucky, mm. and uh, so a lot of a lot of people would be. <laughs> Come to the park not knowing it. Hey, look at the clown. Look at the yeah. clown. Do you juggle or something? I'm like, well, no, I don't. I make your children uh, cry. And I'm Wait, just I'm here to make your that. child cry. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and you know, and, and this quiet guy with paint on his face is coming toward a child. Of course he's going to cry. I, I would do. That was a, 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 and just my, that was my first summer getting paid as a performer. Yeah. So, uh, then after that, I moved up to North Manchester, Indiana, where um, I got a job as the advertising salesman for a small newspaper there called the North Manchester News Journal. Okay. Uh, and in the News Journal, uh, I stayed there for two years uh, selling their advertising space and performing at night as a mime for anybody who would hire me. Yeah, that would be <laughs> So that would be the Kiwanis <laughs> Club or the Rotary Club or this <laughs> this church or that school right. or a parade or the Girl Scout troop, the Boy Scout troop. The, I mean, I'd perform for anybody that would that would give me 30 bucks, right? Right, right. So there's more of a demand for a mime in North Manchester than anyone may have thought. Yeah. So. Well, exactly. You didn't. You didn't see that coming, did you? Yeah, no, not, not right. at all. Was there competition with other mimes? Yeah, right. Yeah, the mime wars we referred to it as. You would just face off silently. Like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> have a throw down in an alleyway somewhere oh, <laughs> with fake fake bullets and guns just yeah. right right like, well, like like the same way rappers do right. same thing <laughs> exactly exactly, exactly the, same. the same thing only much quieter uh so uh so so anyway but with that after that two years then i i realized that my career wise i was only i could only go so far you know mm-hmm. uh, uh with the newspaper i was already at the top of the food chain uh unless i bought the newspaper there was no going up yeah. um so uh so we took I took a job at a at a bank out here in California so that we could relocate to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. We who uh, family? We Mrs. Lori. I was married at uh, my my college sweetheart Lori uh uh um we got married in 1984. Okay. Okay. Excellent. So so uh and we were married only 11 months when we decided to move out to California. Nice. So I uh, took the job at the bank, and uh, I was a management trainee, so it was a really a bad fit. I had to wear a tie and hold a wad of keys and supervise yeah. tellers. It was so not me. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you have a creative aspirations and, and you're stuck in a bank, it's like, hell. But, um, but they, so, and the bank knew that, too, so they fired me after eight months. <laughs> for, what, did, they tell you, did they tell you it was for your own good? Or? They oh, said, yeah, stop no, wearing makeup to work. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, they, uh, They're like, you have to talk to the tellers. You can't just you can't just mime out what you're gonna give right, them. Exactly. Exactly. People need answers about their money. You, you can't wave your hands in the air for that. <laughs> Apparently. So uh, no. So they. Uh, yeah, that was well. The thing is, it was a bank. It was a management training program that lasted nine months, and they fired me after eight months because they realized I wasn't catching on. Okay. Um, and I didn't care. I just so didn't care because I was in Los Angeles now and, and famous people were coming into the branch of the bank I was working at. And, and I'd be like, oh, gosh, I want to be like them one day. Yeah. So I just, I, you know, I lost all interest in anything that ever resembled banking. Right. right. You had so, more important things to yeah, do. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Right, right. So, so the reason they fired me was really was to pr- protect themselves because, you know, you've got someone dealing with millions of dollars um, – uh, and responsible for wads of cash in a vault. Uh, yeah, you, if they're not interested in the bank, you really have to fire them for your own protection. Right, that makes sense. So, that makes sense. So I, yeah, no, if I were, if I were them, I would have fired my ass too, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, but what that did is that that set me free to to um, explore the acting thing that I moved out to California for in the first place. Really, uh, that's when I I started taking a TV commercial workshop out here. Uh, to um, learn how to do on camera. I didn't have any on camera experience as an actor really mm-hmm. from Ball State. Right. So I took a TV commercial workshop and it happened to be taught by a commercial agent. He was, <laughs> uh, his agency was in the top 10 in the city at the time. Oh wow. And after my second class with him, he said, Hey, do you have an agent yet? And I said, I don't know what an agent is. <laughs> so he gave me his card and said, call me at the office. And that's, that was my first agency. So I started going out on TV commercial auditions and I about six months in, I, I was collecting unemployment checks for six months. And the, the week those checks ran out was the same week I booked my first job. Oh, Excellent. What was it? What was your first job? I can tell you. I was a dancing mummy for Southwest Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. dancing mummy. Okay, yeah. wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, that that's almost like a, a perfect first job for you, I feel like. I don't know. Well, you know, it was boating of things to come for sure, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> it seems to be, yeah. yeah. You weren't yeah. on the planes, were you? <laughs> no, you're right. Exactly. Yeah, they, they, they had him on the on the planes dressed as a mummy. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, they were advertising their fun fairs back then. It was a summertime l- reduced rate for flight, mm-hmm. and uh, and w- the fun fairs are back. So they had this big Beach Boys song playing, and I came. 
I came bursting out of a sarcophagus dancing with dust flying off of me because I could finally go on vacation because it was cheap enough. I think that was the idea. <laughs> really, yeah, and that's really what, what mummies are waiting for. Head cannon. You know, I was a big fan of yours from, from the movies you've done and everything, but I was looking up stuff recently, and, and there are a couple things, like I said, that are stuff that I think a lot of people my age, have, yeah. you know, were, were very important in our formative years, but um, a couple things, like you were on an episode of In Living Color and, right. and Tales from the Crypt I saw. Um, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I did three episodes of In Living, Col- In Living Color. I did uh, two sketches with Jim Carrey oh, wow. and one with Damon Wayans. Um, <laughs> in different episodes. Yeah, I, I was in a Homie the Clown sketch nice. as a mime. <laughs> that's, yes. that's awesome. Because, yeah, you know, mimes and clowns, uh, there's, there's an ongoing feud. And like, <laughs> so he, yeah, he yeah. beat me over the head with his sock and, you know, and said, Homie, don't play that. Uh, <laughs> and, and you had no response not and I had to slink away he said yeah mom your ass on down the street that's what he said <laughs> so uh, and then I was in two Jim Carrey sketches one was uh, his famous character Vera de Milo mm-hmm. his East German uh, 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 female uh, athlete character okay. that He's looks very much like a man yeah. and, um, and then he did another character called background guy where he would uh, be doing something funny in the background of, of interviews that were going on <laughs> in the foreground. So I don't remember that one. That's funny. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He was a he was a bird watcher uh, in a forest, and they were interviewing like a forest ranger for some local TV. Oh, that was awesome. a setup. It was like a TV interview with the forest ranger. He was talking about yeah, we uh, we preserve the wildlife here. It was a boring, boring interview. He didn't even care what it was about. Mm-hmm. In the background, Jim Carrey starts waving at the camera because you know he's those oh, people do on live t- TV like that, right? Mm-hmm. Right, of course. Right, so that was that was his ongoing gag on that. Sh- uh, on that, uh, that was a recurring gag that he did on the show. <laughs> and uh, so this particular interview took place in the forest, and so he's waving in the background. Well, then Bigfoot comes walking by, and that would be me in a costume. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, awesome. Yeah. Did you do, like, the initial, like, real grainy, like, videotape walk? Yeah, no, I, I did that same walk, yes. So we end up chasing each other back and forth until it got to the point where he chased me with a chainsaw. You see yeah, right fur on. pellets flying around, and then he comes back and wearing a stole of my fur. Oh, no. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. All, all going on behind the scenes while these people don't even notice in the foreground that while they're interviewing some park ranger. Oh, that's genius. I'm totally I'm YouTubing that later. You're right, right, right. I don't know if you, yeah, good luck. I don't have a clue how I to might, find it. But I the, bet that would um, be on there. And the Vera DeMilo sketch was, was, a, was a rap. He'd, Vera's rap. Uh, mm-hmm. He was rapping about how how she needs a buff neck man to keep up with her masculinity. <laughs> and, I, and I, of course, being a skinny guy, yeah. uh, uh, my contortionist skills came into play here as well. Um, he was wrestling me on a on a zebra skin covered bed. I was wearing nothing but silk boxer shorts, and he was wearing a teddy. Oh, oh my gosh! Oh, it was just a nightmare—a nightmare of of hilarity. Yeah. And uh, so we ended up wrestling, and and then they cut to later me mangled up in a in a in a pretzel position with him putting a cigarette out of my ass, like he's having his after his after sex cigarette. Right, <laughs> that's perfect. So, uh, yeah, no, it was it was uh, hilarious, and, and I just loved him. Jim Carrey was very gracious to work with. I really liked him a lot. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, because that was before uh, he'd probably done Ace Ventura or anything like that. Probably, I, I right? think he had done. Uh, let's see, he had done the first Ace. No, was there a movie before that? Before, uh, Ace before Ace, he did uh, High Strong. 
All right, and there was a movie called Rubber. Earth, yeah, he was in Earth Girls Are Easy too. Oh, right. that's oh. right, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, with the Wayans guy, yeah, yeah and Jeff Goldblum. Right, right, right. Yeah. Whoa, that was the connection to the Wayans, I think, in the first place, right? Oh, that okay, makes a lot that of makes sense. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Right, right, right. So I, I think he'd done that, but Ace Ventura had been filmed, but it hadn't come out yet by the time I first met him. Yeah. Okay. He that's was huge. He he was already at like a, a, the audience poll for In Living Color, right? But he hadn't had his movie name out there yeah. as much yet. So, uh, but it was coming. It was he he exploded right after I met him. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's cool that you met him like right there, kind of yeah. in the interim, like right on the crest of his uh, yeah. ascension to fame. There, <laughs> right, right, kind of crazy, oh, kind of wacky. Oh, oh, Doug, we watched. Um, Corey mentioned, and he reminded me that you were in Mystery Men. <laughs> the yeah. pencil guy and I told I was cracking up because I totally forgot about that guy it was like so amazing we watched the clip right before we told you <laughs> yeah it's a, yeah hilarious it was so awesome <laughs> oh, well thank you yes I uh, but yeah right uh, played pencil head in the um, what, were, like, what was his super, what was his superpower was it to we, erase hate oh well, that was that was that was an improv of mine I said we erase crime <laughs> oh, yeah. oh okay okay fantastic <laughs> pencils my son and I and son of pencil head yeah, yeah that guy yeah. <laughs> and then Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say that for those listeners who don't know what we're talking about, uh, 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 Ben Stiller and Hank Azaria and yep. just a, a cast of Paul, yeah. uh, Paul Rubens. And William H. Macy, Janine Garofalo. Janine Macy, right. Um, uh, we're all uh, a, a ragtag team of, of, of loser superheroes that were holding auditions at a backyard pool party in their neighborhood <laughs> to because yep. uh, the slot was opened up for another a member of their team. Mm-hmm. So all the neighbors pull up in in homemade costumes to yeah. uh, audition for the team, and so I was I was in line, and they were like, "Next, state your state your name and superpower." Like, "Hi, I'm Pencilhead," and then I, I that all that was all that's all that was scripted for me was to say, "I'm Pencilhead," and then uh, but the director the director encouraged improv, so I said, "And we erase crime," and it stayed in the movie. And then uh, then uh, they look they cut back to the guys saying, "Oh, I see, it's a family thing. It's a, a great with the son of pencil." Oh, got it. Mm-hmm. And they cut back to us walking away, and I'm 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 ushering my son away, and I say, "I think they liked us." <laughs> <laughs> nice. And what was that? Just uh, like one day on the set. What was your experience there? Did you get to? Yeah, that was actually it was two days because that backyard uh, pool party took uh, took two days to to, to film. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was great fun to mingle. With and I'd also I'd already also done an episode of Keenan and Kel before that. Oh, okay. I think, was, I think it was Kel Mitchell was in that too as Invisible. That's right. Boy. That's right. right. <laughs> yeah, who could only be invisible when no one was looking yeah, at him. That's right. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what a ridiculous movie. I love that one. Yeah. What? A, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you. Um, so you are also in I think one of my uh, favorite movies as a child, uh, Hocus Pocus. Yes. As, uh, oh, yeah. was that was was that kind of like your first main character? Was there or, or was there anything? Was. Uh, that that was my my first time getting my name in the main titles mm-hmm. of a major studio picture. Yes, awesome, awesome. What was that uh, like? Oh, it was it was so exciting. I was I was in I was in heaven yeah. on that movie because I now I, I I had done one studio movie before that and that was Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, which is also huge. It was like you know the largest opening weekend to uh, uh, in history at that time when oh, Batman really? Returns. Oh, wow! Came I didn't out. know yeah. that. Um, but of course, it's been outdone since then. But um, but um, in Batman Returns, I you know I, I didn't I I was just a, a very very sub, sub, subordinate player in that I I was one of Danny DeVito's sidekicks, a thin clown. Right, and the yeah. Triangle Circus Gang that he hung out with, yeah, right the on. penguin, and um, 
so I was I was a, a clown in there and uh, uh, in about sixteen. So so I'd had a big studio movie experience, but not in a, not in a major role, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So this Pocus comes along, and uh, and now I'm now I'm a supporting player with but with some storyline to carry and uh, pivotal scenes and. Uh, and my name in the front titles, which make, make you know, for an actor, that's a big deal. I mean, right. You your name Absolutely. Up there with, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, and I also got to work alongside Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. And Jimmy, uh, Kathy and Jimmy had just come off of uh, her fame with Sister Act at that time. Too. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Technically none. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, so, you know, I was just I was just loving every minute of that movie shoot, and it was it was very family friendly and yeah. uh, uh, you know very fantasy like, and and I felt we were working on something very special at the time. And and my character Billy Butcherson, this is before zombies were cool, by the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But one of the one of the forefront, uh, you know, forerunners of, uh, <laughs> of the Walking Dead, you know. Um, yeah. But but they designed Billy Butcherson, my my zombie character, to look kind of appealing, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, and 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 true enough. Um, Young people tell me to this day, uh, you know, it's been 21, 22 years now since the movie came out. It came out in 93. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I get I get kids that tell me, uh, or young ladies that tell me all the time that I was their first screen crush. Nice. Oh, wow. They were kids. <laughs> yeah. All Hallows' Eve has become a night of frolic. Oh. Where children wear costumes and run amok. Amok, 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 Okay, yeah, so you did Batman Returns, you did Hocus Pocus, and then uh, I'm also a big fan of the movie Mimic, which came out in 97. Was that was that your first connection with Guillermo del Toro, that movie? It was indeed. Uh, Mimic, I, uh, now, Mimic was filmed up in Toronto, up in, up in Canada. Okay. And, um, uh, and there was a tall, skinny guy up there that played all the long John bug creatures. Um, and when they were doing reshoots in L.A., Mm-hmm. Uh, that Canadian actor could not work here without a work permit, and so it was going to be costly to bring him down here. And like, so they were just looking through the Rolodex, like, who do we know that can like wear this costume? What oh, tall, wow. skinny guys we know. So I got a phone <laughs> call uh, the day of a night shoot that night, saying, "Hey, Doug, it's so and so from Rick Lazzarini's, uh, you know, shop. Can you?" work a night shoot tonight for this movie called mimic, which meant nothing to me at the time. I had no idea what the title meant. <laughs> right. So I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, I, I was free and it was a gig. It was, are you paying? I'll be there. I'm a whore. Of course I'll be there. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm classier than I'm a call girl <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> to be, to be on like, uh, like Julia Roberts and pretty woman. Yeah. Right. That, that's more. <laughs> I don't work a corner. Right. Out of the no, no. Only rich guys in the finest right. of hotels. But I, but, right. I, but I will visit your hotel. Exactly. <laughs> well, so, how, um, how serendipitous, man i mean that's that's incredible because so much i mean so much has come after that that's fantastic no, that, that, that connection it, it's a very relationship-based business the showbiz and mm-hmm. uh, that was guillermo del toro's very first american studio film mm-hmm. uh, he had been he had made quite a name for himself in mexico uh with uh, he'd already done a feature film called chronos at that time mm-hmm and he did a lot of television, short films, uh, uh, TV commercials, and whatnot in Mexico that had played in all, a lot of Latin countries. So he was he was well known in the Spanish language speaking countries, but um, but in America uh, he wasn't a name yet. And so I had no idea who I, who I was meeting. Right. Um, so uh, you know I, I've told the story many times in public and and uh, in interviews about. Uh, I only was working on these reshoots for the movie for three days. Mm-hmm. My second day on the, on the set, uh, I was sitting at the lunch table and 
across the table from me sits down are this round, roly-poly, jolly man with a thick Mexican accent. <laughs> and um, he introduced himself, and I realized, oh, he's the director of the film. Oh, how nice. Because mm-hmm. he hadn't really interacted with me much my first day. I, I, was, uh, I was getting... I was getting direction through a megaphone from an assistant director. I was on top of a building, and they, the crew was down on the on the ground, and I was like three stories up, leaning over the edge of the building with a rain machine hitting me and pelting me in the face. <laughs> so I didn't really have much interaction. So my second day uh, uh, is when I meet him, and and uh, uh, and he says uh, he puts his chin in his hands over lunch and says, "So tell me everything you've been in before." <laughs> so, nice. tell, tell me your horror story yeah yeah so i started listing off my resume at the time and i and, he, and that included things like the time machine and or no 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 time machine wasn't out yet i'm sorry it was mm-hmm. 1997 mm-hmm. so it would have been uh hocus pocus and batman returns right. and and tank uh, tank girl which i want to mention is a phenomenal oh, movie and tank girl exactly which was 1994 exactly wow. um so uh, uh actually it came out in 95 i guess but um, yeah, yeah. So, and, and he wanted to hear about the makeup artists that were involved with that, and like who, you know, how how were they? Was he? I love his work. Was he a good, a nice guy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good, good. So we had this conversation where we were connecting over creepy crawly monsters. It was it was great fun. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah. So then after the end of our lunch, he says, uh, 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 "Do you have a card?" So I had a card with a goofy drawing of myself on it, and he laughed. He goes, "Oh, that's great!" And he put it in his wallet and. Five years later, in 2002, wow. I get a phone call from another Creature Effects makeup artist named Steve Wang, mm-hmm. who had just designed uh, the Abe Sapien character for Hellboy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when they showed Guillermo del Toro the the the, uh, the maquette of that, the sculpture of that character for approval that day, mm-hmm. he fell to his knees and said, "Oh, I am so fat." <laughs> And that was his way of saying what a beautiful thin creature. And that's when the guys at the shop then said, uh, well, you know who's perfect to play this is Doug Jones. Right. So then, then Guillermo, this is, now remember this is five years after I met him on Mimic. Right. So you, you probably didn't expect anything, wow. you know, no, to no, come no. from so, giving him your card. Right. So five years later he says, Doug Jones, wait, I know Doug Jones. And he pulled my card out of his wallet and said, wow. so let's give him a call. Wow. Right. Wow. So that's how I got Hellboy One right what, there. What's really phenomenal is that he had that same wallet for five years. Yeah, and... <laughs> right, right. It was well constructed or well worn. I don't right. know. Yeah. So your card came out pristine too, man. <laughs> yes. yes. Like a glowing. Mickey Mantle rookie, yo. <laughs> like the uh, <laughs> laminated. <laughs> um, so, so what was that experience like? Because that's I, I, I would imagine that's been a, a big part of your career is the Abe Sapien and the Hellboy movies. Yeah. It was. Well, uh, that whole relationship with Guillermo del Toro changed my life from that moment forward then. Mm-hmm. Um, Hellboy 1 was, was really cemented our relationship as director and actor that get, a, you know, that's when we sort of, you know, learned a, a certain shorthand language on set. We don't have to say much. I understand him very easily. He understands me easily. Uh, he's a director. He gets everybody. He he can sum up an actor really quickly and and he directs all of us very differently from each other. He'll direct Ron Perlman and Selma Blair and I differently from each other because he knows we all have a different set of buttons that that re, that react to different things. <laughs> right, you know? right, yeah. So he finds those buttons and he finds your personality and he he communicates with people. He's he's got he's got a lot of psychology that that drives him forward. 
Um, so, uh, so Hellboy one was just a great experience all around. And then he came back around for me for his next film, which was Pan's Labyrinth. Right. Which, which is a beautiful movie. I mean, well, guys, beautiful thing I've ever done. Yeah. yeah was, Jesus. That movie is just, is incredible. Well, and, and what a ride that was to go on. I mean, I, again, I'm wearing a five hour makeup application, five <laughs> hours to get the fawn on five hours to get the, the pale man on. What do you do? So, what do you do in that chair, man, for that long? Yeah, do you, do you zone out or go zen or yeah? You, you, if you're sitting, if they're working on your front side and you can sit back and lean back in a chair, yeah. I'll, I'll fall asleep almost every time. Whoa, okay. uh, but oftentimes you're not sitting back because they're working around you 360 degrees yeah. uh, from head to toe. And you've got three makeup artists working on you all at once. So somebody's working on the back of your leg while somebody else is working on your belly button and someone else is working on your chin. Mm-hmm. If, it's the head, <laughs> so, if it's the head at all, are you allowed to talk? You have to like... Oh, I'm a, I'm allowed to do it. I'm a, what? I'm Doug Jones. I can do anything <laughs> I want. All, and then you say that on repeat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. No, I, I, of course, no. There's a lot of talk, a lot of banter, a lot of joking around. Okay, we tell good. stories. We listen to music. We oh, uh, wow. thank heaven for laptops and, and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we watch a lot. I've I've learned that in makeup trailers, if they have a wireless Webernet connection. Mm-hmm. I, I do love that Webernet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, isn't that what you kids are calling it? Yeah, yeah, the Webernet. I'm pretty bit. sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the time. Sure, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, th- thank you, thank you, Al Gore. <laughs> yeah, right, right, uh, right. Exactly. Thank him for uh, inventing this this silly thing. Right. Yeah. yeah so incredible. Uh, uh, but no, but uh, uh, with YouTube videos going, I, I found a, a certain love and and glee over. Uh, Talking cat videos. Okay. Uh, okay. Yes. Cats that meow and then they're subtitled are hilarious to me for some reason. Okay. I might have to dig into that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite so, cat uh, or is. Uh, what's that? A favorite cat, perhaps. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grumpy cat or what? Little bub? What else? Oh, wow. You okay. know a little bit more than oh, I thought. Oh, yeah. I'm an, I am an expert. Oh, in, sure. In, sure. In... Well, yeah, now, Grumpy cat wasn't around back, back okay. then. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like for Hellboy 2, the Golden Army, when we're filming that uh, a few years later, um, we discovered some cat that was like, that, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember what, how, how to even find it, how to find this video, but. But the cat would would make noises that sounded almost like words, yeah. Because sometimes cats are like, <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. And so and so they 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 subtitled him, and and they 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 actually they wrote out phonetically what he was saying, and it sounded really close, you know what I mean? But it made no sense, right? So that that was the funny part. It was that they were they were translating him word for word. And it was like you know. Book chair, why you Ziada, you nanny, nanny, booker head, whatever. <laughs> so it's like a 1940s gangster cat. Or it's going to like open up a portal. That's freaking yeah. scary. Right. It was, it was, uh, yeah, so there, there was, a, you could follow it along, but it had nonsensical words. Head cannon. Uh, speaking of, of stories, I think he's, he's always good for, for silly quotes. Um, every time he... Uh, like when he's working with me, like if he's setting up a shot and, and trying to tell me what, here's what the, here's what I want the action to look like. Mm. Uh, and then he shows me what he calls the fat Mexican version. <laughs> so he'll, he'll, he'll walk through a scene and show me what props are where. And then yep. I have to get from point A to point B. And then I, I step in and do it however I want to. Right. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, but like on Hellboy 2, the Golden Army, bless his heart. When, um, you know, we were... Again, doing 18-hour workdays, I was sleeping about four hours a night, and so I was constantly falling asleep in my set chair mm-hmm. uh, between things or going back to my trailer and catching a nap I, whenever I could. I was just exhausted for six months on that shoot. Right. And, um, 
uh, at one point we were filming the the uh, the scene where we're in the uh, gosh, it was the big the big epic scene where the tooth fairies come flying out of the walls at us. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're infested with these little tooth fairies that are gnawing at us, and, and we're firing guns and and uh, whatnot. Uh, <laughs> was that all mostly CGI? I imagine the tooth fairies. Yeah, the tooth fairies were all CG, right? Okay, so yeah. We had to uh, we had to do a lot of pretending, right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, so anyway, but I remember uh, we uh, between shot setups, I was sitting in a set chair. And I was kind of like, you know, kind of dozing off a little bit under my mask. And then I heard his footsteps coming up. And I'm like a dog who knows his master's footsteps. Because uh, Guillermo, Guillermo, uh, Guillermo does not pick up his feet when he walks. He just okay. kind of slides his heels across the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so oh, it was quite precious. And um, and he, uh, uh, so he came walking up and, and I, and he put his hand on my forearm and he goes, I know we are killing you, my friend. <laughs> and so I said, I, I said, well, uh, yeah, you are right, but but but, it, but there's love. And he says, well, the good news is there will be pilgrimages to your grave. <laughs> that was his nice way of saying, it. We, even even though we're all you know sacrificing a piece of our soul to make this movie, uh, when it's all said and done, yeah. we're leaving a piece of immortal art behind mm-hmm. for others to to see for years to come. So. Uh, you know, and when you do a movie like Pan's Labyrinth, uh, the ride that that took me on um, artistically was the most beautiful thing I'd ever done, and yet horrifying. It it was it was it was the most perfect movie to me. It had every element of horror film, fantasy film, history film, uh, relationship drama. Uh, it was yeah. just, it was everything. Yeah. And, uh, when when you're at the red carpet of the Oscars <laughs> a year later, and you're you're the the only American actor in the film representing the movie to the press mm-hmm. and you're being interviewed by Joan Rivers, that's when you realize your life has changed a little bit. And I have Guillermo del Toro to thank for that. Right. Oh. Just a little bit. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. That's incredible. Well, um, there was, uh, I, I did want to ask you, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Buffy the Vampire yeah. Slayer. Okay. As I think a lot of people are. Um, and you were, uh, you were in the episode Hush, which I think is yeah. one of the most memorable episodes. Yeah. It's my wife's favorite episode. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, just well, a, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Just a completely <laughs> silent episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Kara, we will we'll definitely yeah, shout get, out to her. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Um, <laughs> so what was your experience like? I, I, I didn't look up, uh, did Joss Whedon direct that episode? Did you meet him on that or? Uh, Joss Whedon wrote and directed that episode, so he was very hands-on involved with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, being the showrunner uh, for the for the series, he you know uh, very different different writers. The, the uh, writing staff is huge on a TV show, right? So right. a different writer will, will will be the the key writer for each episode, and a different director will be the key you know will direct each episode. So to have him step out of his office and and be very hands-on for that, so it meant the world to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was his creative baby. So uh, and it was very daring for him to do an episode where uh, where my character takes away everybody's voice in Sunnyvale. So we right. did over half the episode in complete silence. Yeah, uh, with using visuals, and that was a quite a gamble because um, without without the network was worried that. Oh, uh, if we're if we're not bombarding people's senses, yeah. all of them all the time, we're going to lose. They're going to lose interest and change channels, right? That's their biggest worry: is losing right. viewers. Right. So what? What? But Joss Whedon t- went ahead and took that gamble, but knowing that that it would be the opposite effect. You take one sensory away, and people lean in and pay closer attention. Absolutely, right? yeah. Exactly. It just draws you in. That episode, especially, I remember. Yeah. Very haunting, yeah. Uh, and these gentlemen were very polite. Uh, we, were, we smiled throughout the entire episode. We were very 
very flowy hands and very genteel in our appearance and our gestures to each other. Mm-hmm. But we were tearing people's hearts out for crying out loud. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a chilling, chilling episode. So, yeah, you, uh, the Buffy fans who are devout and have followed the series over the years and, and, and keep it alive. And it's been off the air for, what, uh, 15 years? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it sounds about, yeah, yeah, easily 15, I would. I would yeah, 10 or, yeah, at least 10, yeah. The episode that because our hush episode was in season four and that was 1999, mm. so that's been, that's been a while, yeah. Um, uh, but the fans keep the show very much alive, and um, and well, I hear from them that that uh, hush episode that we're talking about and also the musical episode, Once More with Feeling, are their two yeah. favorites. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's my favorite one, yeah, sure. that, yeah, that seems to be the case. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's just such an incredible episode, so yeah. Um, <laughs> Joss Whedon, he's a brilliant genius, much like a much like a Guillermo del Toro or a or a Tim Burton that I had the chance to work with on Batman Returns. Yeah, what was your interaction with him like? Because he's a very interesting guy, Tim Burton. Uh, a very interesting guy. Yeah. Now again, I had a smaller part in that, so we didn't interact as much. But he did like me, and uh, when I was cast, oh, my casting story was was my favorite part. Uh, uh, I was referred to Batman Returns because of a stuntman friend of mine named Bob Yerkes. Okay. Bob Yerkes is actually legendary in the stunt world. He's, he's in his 80s now, still working, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And, uh, uh, and he's, he's an amazing. So he was, helping, uh, he was helping the stunt department get all of their acts together for since there was a circus theme to Batman Returns. Right, and yeah. Bob, yeah. Bob Yerkes is a circus uh, specialist. He has, he's, he's a trapeze artist and, and has trained people for years in, in the circus arts. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so he knew that I was a contortionist. So he kind of re- referred me to the stunt department, saying, "Oh yeah, I know this guy was a contortionist. If you need somebody bendy for, you know, a sight gag somewhere in the movie, that's mm-hmm. what we were assuming." Right. Yeah. Like I got a call from from the stunt department, and uh, and they had me come in just to show him. So I walk into the Warner <laughs> Brothers lot and right. I into the stunt office of the Batman Returns pre production office. Right. All right. Expecting to be turned into a pretzel, and then just do a little bendy act and have him go. That looks great. Right. And, call you. and have Batman put his cigarette out on your or ass. You walk out crying. <laughs> Exactly. Something, right? Be humiliated from like having to take my clothes off and show them my legs. <laughs> That's Hollywood, kid. That's Hollywood, Gary. I'll make you a star. I've been in the business a while, guys. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, since the 40s, right? Uh, so, so uh, he, uh, he, okay, so the guy, he's like, oh, hey, Doug, nice to meet you. So, yeah, show me what you, whatever it is you can do. So I start bending up and waka 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 yada yada yada. Here goes my leg and my arm right there. Whoo, you know. <laughs> so, so he was like, "Wow, well that's wow, that's something." He said, "Stay, stay here. Uh, I'm gonna go get somebody. I wanted you to show him too." So he leaves the room, comes back in with Tim Farking Burton. Wow, right? yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so I'm just like, "Oh, oh, yeah, this is our director, Tim Burton." I'm like, <laughs> drooling on myself. <laughs> <laughs> so so he's like yeah so uh, so show uh, Tim uh, what you just showed me oh geez so <laughs> yeah. waka 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 yada 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 here's my leg right there and my arm Woo! Right? <laughs> so then Tim Burton says like oh that's gr- great uh, hey well you stay right here we're gonna go in the other room and talk about you right <laughs> so, so they go so they leave me in this in the office by myself mm-hmm. they go into another room for a, a couple minutes it was not long but it was the longest two minutes of my life right i'm sure yeah right? i'm thinking what are they talking about tick tock <laughs> do they hate me do they love me? love me please love me so they come walking back in, in and tim burton says well great you got the part I'm nice like, the nice part 
uh, uh, what I thought I was here for a sight gag. Turns in, turns out there was a, a role for a thin clown that was actually scripted with two pages of dialogue. It, it ended up in the final movie got pared down to one line, but that's mm-hmm. fine. I didn't care. I was in six scenes as it was anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. And, um, with Tim Burton coming off of Batman, and uh, was yeah. I don't remember when uh, were Edward Scissorhands or or uh, Beetlejuice out at that point, or did they come later? I think Beetlejuice was could have been out already right uh, Edward, his johnny depp days were yet to come a little later okay that makes sense yeah so uh but i have to look at the dates yeah but um but it was just great though because you know he was a tim burton also like a a, a skinny goofy guy with with wild hair and, <laughs> and I, I was also and am a skinny goofy guy and I had wild hair then, so uh, so yeah, we we kind of we were we were like two golden retrievers seeing each other for the first time, like oh friend, you right? Know? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was great working with that. And it, what what was supposed to be a it turned into it was a seven week contract that I signed. To, so I was I was it was a good long running gig, and it turned into fourteen weeks for me. So, oh wow, that's, and that's awesome! Because Tim liked me, and he kept he kept me around. It was very sweet <laughs> of him. Cool. Well, then I think probably the other thing I wanted to talk about fan, right after you did Pan's Labyrinth, Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. I mean, you were in the title right there, Silver Surfer. What? How was that? What was that like? Well, just a, a huge daunting honor. Um, it was. It was. It was. Huge honor and terrifying all at the same time because I knew there was a fan base for these Marvel characters, and the Silver Surfer was um, wasn't as talked about, uh, mm. but he was quite beloved. Right, absolutely, yeah. And uh, so, so when you are uh, when you're taking that on, there's a fan base that, that is that, that's already to hate. They're ready to hate it. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah yep. right. So, so you have to be the guy who researches the source material and gets gets the comic books out that that where he was introduced back in the 1960s Jeez. and uh, you know look at jack kirby's artwork look at stan lee's writing and take him in just take the character into your pores into your dna right and let him play himself back out through you again so that's what i tried to do and uh, i was i was very pleased with the fan reaction once the movie came out oh well, now not everybody liked those movies by the way right right uh, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed those movies, and I thought the Silver Surfer especially was was that was that uh, like motion capture CGI? How did they do that? Because nope. it was such a I unique. Was, I was in a full makeup and costume. I looked like the Silver Surfer every day when I walked out of my trailer. Wow, that's Jeez. insane! Like how how great that looked. Best ass I'd ever had. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But, but at the end of the day, I had to hand it back to them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Yeah, here, here's this uh, hot, sweaty ass. Sorry. Right. They, just, they had like one assistant that was just the hot, sweaty ass assistant. Right. Wrangler. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a full muscle suit that like they, they really get, they sculpted such a beautiful body on me. I had perfect proportions, like the shoulder width, the, the pectorals, the abs, the everything. It was just, it, it was a beautiful sculpture that I was wearing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the the uh, a mask that went over my entire head that that reshaped my face into a very very uh, heavy brow, heavy cheekbones, heavy straw lines, handsome handsome guy. Right. So uh, right. so I, I kind of wanted when the movie was over, I wanted to keep the costume and wear it to the beach. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but they wouldn't. Wear they would, oh man, oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, Whatever. And it was such a I don't know if haunting is the right word, but uh, you know, very much in the vein of uh, of uh, Doctor Manhattan and Watchmen, or even or the newest Avengers movie, Vision. I mean, it was a very the character was so I don't have the right word for it, but just like 
you know, wise and reserved. And it, it was really yeah. cool. Thank you. Thank you. That, that was a challenge for me to, to throttle back because mm-hmm. I'm in, in real life. I'm very expressive and my hands are always flapping around and I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very insecure and I want to make sure everybody's hearing me and getting my point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Uh, so, yes, we do. so the surfer does not need to do that at all. He's yeah. very, very laid back and very confident in his power. Uh, he's got the power cosmic. He doesn't need to prove Jack nothing to nobody. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so to find that quiet, calm confidence was was quite a challenge for this kid. Well, I, I, I whatever you did, I really appreciate. It. I thought it was phenomenal. So, well, thank you, thank you, very kind of you. I'm <laughs> and finding, waka I'm waka finding... waka yada 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 <laughs> yada waka waka legs and arms. <laughs> I love it. on the surfboard. <laughs> since you've been talking, since you've said that, that's all I've heard in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I could leave that lasting. lasting There's one thing you take away from this interview. It's wonka, 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 yada, yada, yada. Yeah, actually, the whole interview, the whole hour, will just be that on a loop. Like, <laughs> Head cannon. You did Arrow and the Flash this year. How was that? Dude, I had a ball on those nice. those shows. Um, I was I was originally cast in in an episode in episode three nineteen, uh, Broken Arrow mm-hmm. of Arrow. Right. Uh, and uh, this Arrow episode, I, they were introducing me as Deathbolt, mm-hmm. uh, or J- Jake Simmons is my street name, but it's all AKA Deathbolt. Right. Um, <laughs> and Deathbolt was the first metahuman with superpowers to be uh, to be show to show up on Arrow because their villains on Arrow have been really bad people. Right, but like, yeah, reality based, like down to earth characters. Right, though. right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with no superpowers, and in here I'm, so I'm the first one that that. Now the Flash, of course, has had all those metahumans, right, uh, and, and supervillains. But this, so Arrow, I was the, I, I have the uh, the honor of being the first metahuman to show up on uh, Arrow. Excellent. And then, yeah. And so while while I was working on Arrow is when I got a call from manager Bruce telling me that that the Flash had called as well. They want me to do a crossover and, and play Deathbolt also on the Flash. Mm-hmm. So well, that was about three weeks later. So that was that would be episode one twenty two one twenty two of uh, which was called Rogue Air. <laughs> yeah. right. and, and, and you mentioned your memory earlier earlier, but it's impressive how how you remember like all of like the years and the mm-hmm. the, the uh, episode numbers and all that. So. Oh well, thank. You. Well, I was I was I had to remember the the episode numbers of these because they were recent enough, right? You know, uh, and people were asking like you know, but well, in this used to be when you were on back when I started as an actor when you were on a TV show. You had to watch it while it was on the air, or you missed it. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so you just would be like, "I'm going to be on," uh, you know, uh, what was an early show of mine? Let's see. I was on. Um, oh, like the first time I was on. Um, uh, I did an episode of CSI. Right. right. Uh huh. In their second season. Mm-hmm. So I had called the family. You got to watch CSI, or you're going to miss it. So it's right. this night, this channel, watch and learn. Um, or set your VCR to tape it. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, right. At that point, yeah. And, but but now uh, you have to know episode numbers and episode titles to make sure when people do a search on all of the platforms, whether yeah. it's Netflix, Hulu, um, or their or their cable guide where they're trying to they want to DVR it ahead of time, you can do that months ahead of time on TV shows uh-huh, if you yeah. know what you're looking for. 
So, uh, so I had to know the, the episode number and title to, so people could find it in the mass of, of, <laughs> yeah. of options that are out there now. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was great fun to join the other rogues, uh, rogue villains, um, uh, uh, metahumans on The Flash. I was one of many in that episode. And uh, at the end of that, uh, they were transporting us from one place to another, to keep, uh, uh, from one holding area to another. And they were trying to transport us. That's why they called the episode Rogue Air. To, mm-hmm. It's kind of a take on Con Air. Oh, okay. Uh, we, okay we're nice. moving villains. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, so you were like, you were like John something. Malkovich then. Right, exactly. Some, and and as, as always happens, something went amok. Yeah. So uh, we all got loose. And uh, But Captain yeah. Cold, played by Wentworth Miller, mm-hmm. he shot me dead. Guy. He shot me with his freezer gun. And so you don't know if I'm dead or not, honestly, because uh, they, they referred to me as being shot, not killed. Oh, okay. So, so there's but, a chance. So, I, you know, if the writers want to leave me dead, they can. If they want to bring me back, they can. So yeah. we'll see what, what the future holds. Uh, and there's also a spinoff show, another DC Comics spinoff show coming from from those two shows uh, that that Brandon Routh is going to be on. He plays the Atom. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, okay. I hadn't heard that. That's that's cool. Yeah. So, so more coming there. So there, there's more opportunities to be a villain that shows up somewhere in that universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, had, I had a great time with that. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a bit, but a lot of television uh, for for someone who's done a lot of movies in my career. Uh, the last few years have been very TV heavy for me, um, right? Which has been great, though. It's been great to, because te- television has gotten so much better. It's been more cinematic now than it ever used to be. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And that's and and that includes. Well, I wanted to ask you about the strain. Is that to come back to Guillermo del Toro? Right. right. Um, Speaking of cinematic television, there you go. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that. And so you were in. What was it? Was it you were in the just the last episode? Right. And so are you are you coming back for season two? Then is that the plan? I am. Uh, uh, what you saw of me so far on the strain was in the the season finale of season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they showed. Uh, they had a, a quick scene with all of the ancient vampires. There were three of us that were mm-hmm. asleep. And I was the one, I'm the leader that was in the middle. Mm-hmm. And they hinted that you'd see more of us. And sure enough, in the season opener of, of season two, which comes July 12th on mm-hmm. the FX channel. Yeah, everybody uh, check that out. Definitely. Right, I will be returning as the leader of the ancients. Excellent. Uh, and for a very gruesome scene uh, about halfway through the show. Now, the, but, but another, I also play a different character at the very opening of the show, uh, J- July 12th uh, is a flashback that opens the season a uh, flashback that will show you how the master became the master oh and okay that's I cool. might have a part in that and I might be in another makeup <laughs> from head to toe that, that, uh, that helps explain how he became the master I'm a part of the, the story that's great Sweet. that's phenomenal yeah and uh, so that that's and then then we we ancients show up again later in in uh, episode six of mm. this season uh, uh, now, oddly enough, that is Sunday nights at 10 on the FX channel, 10, 9 central. Mm-hmm. But that's a competing time slot with the show that I'm on, a series regular on, which is Falling Skies. Right. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, no, how, wow. That's crazy to be in, in a competing time spot with yourself. Right. But <laughs> now, again, now back in the day when, when you had to watch TV or lose it, uh, when it was airing, mm-hmm. that would be a, that would be a conundrum. I wouldn't right. know which one to tune into. Right, not a problem anymore. <laughs> sure, but yeah. now, now with all the recording devices, and you can look at it, you can watch them online anytime you want, and yeah. all this and that. Uh, so I'll be able to see both, and so <laughs> nice. will the audience. But, but yeah, no, Falling Skies. Uh, we we return with our final season number five. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh huh. Wow. Coming uh, starts uh, soon, about a couple weeks now, June twenty eighth, Sunday night, June twenty eighth at ten nine central. Uh, on TNT. 
Uh-huh. And how's that how's that been your experience there? Oh my gosh, I've had such a ball with that show. <laughs> I I joined the show in season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, now, by the way, for those of, of your audience who don't know, uh, Falling Skies is kind of like The Walking Dead with aliens. It's a post-apocalyptic yeah. story uh, about an alien invasion that has taken over Earth. They've obliterated humanity except for a, a few factions of humans that are holding on. And uh, so the second mass is is the group of people that you've been following led by Noah Wiley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Noah Wiley, of course, you know him from ER. Right. Uh, Right. Uh, and he's a he's a fantastic actor, and he's like our he's the, the lead of our show. Mm. Gracious, gracious man, great, wonderful actor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he um, so his his group of humans uh, have been fighting the good fight uh, to ward off the Ashveni bad aliens who have taken over Earth. Well, at the end of season two, their their cliffhanger at the end of season two was a bunch of ships landing, and off steps me. Right. Uh, Cochise. Cochise, right. The, the Volm alien race, which are good, happy aliens that are here to help. Right. And what's his full name? Uh, my mom, right. Exactly. My, my real name. The, the, the humans call me Cochise as a nickname. That's the best but, name ever created. That's a shortened version of Chichok Ilsichnich Chotikol. Oh, I am imp- I am so impressed. That's incredible. That's fantastic. Yes. Well, you know, apparently, uh, even the writing staff, uh, among all the actors, all of the directors we've had, and all of the writing staff, I'm the only one who knows how to say all of the Volm names. <laughs> that's great. Because I had to. I have, I'm the one who has to deliver them on on screen. Right. So, uh, so that's my name. My dad's name on the show, uh, you know, they call him Waschak, but it's actually Waschak Chaab. Okay. And, uh, and my 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 dad character is is he's actually the commander of the Volm race and uh, and he makes visits here and there, also played by me. Okay. <laughs> I, I play my own father in the show. You are your own father. Okay. Yeah, so so in those in those scenes, uh, um, boy, there's there's uh, that's that's tough to 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 learn dialogue from both ends of a conversation. Uh, especially when you're arguing with yourself, which <laughs> right. I do in episode four this year. Yes. Okay, uh, excellent. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Episode four is going to be, a, 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 the writers really knocked that out of the park for me. They, they, it's, uh, it's a, there's a very coaches heavy storyline in episode four uh-huh. and you'll see me dealing with my daddy issues. Finally. <laughs> okay. That's Wait. good. Well, I'm glad coaches is getting that out. Seeing a counselor. And... <laughs> he doesn't right. tell anyone that he's his own dad. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I, uh, well, cause I, you know, we uh, I stayed on Earth to to stay with my human friends. Now that I've made uh, mm-hmm. against my father's wishes, he mm. wanted he actually thought we were done with Earth and let's we have bigger battles to to fight other places in the universe. Let's get on with it. And I stayed behind because I've really taken a liking to these humans. Right. So it's really a nice relationship that is budded uh, with with uh, Cochise and his human friends. Right. So. Um, so uh, my dad ends up landing. The mothership comes back in episode four, and you'll see a bit of a confrontation, a bit of a, and the, and there there's other issues. You'll it's a very it's a it turns out to be a very sentimental, sad storyline. Even though you're laughing your way through it because the writers wrote a lot of jokes in for me too. Believe it or not, it's not a funny show at all. But, right. Uh, yeah. So so I had a had a great time with that, and uh, and uh, then there's the other other Volm character that's kind of like my sidekick. He's my second in command uh, uh, of the ones who stayed behind on Earth. Right. And he's really, he's the very tall Shek Cheek Ilshaw Shasash. <laughs> and we just call him Shaq. Shaq. For sure. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes it yeah, much easier, much right. easier is to he, get your mind around. Well, and the real actor is John DeSantis and he's 6'10". So he is kind of Shaq-ish. Hi. Uh, I am Pencil Head. And I am 
same son of Pencilhead. We erase crime. Two generations of... Right. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I think I like it. Great, and then I, I don't want to keep you uh, too much uh, too much past the hour, Doug. I know I'm sure you got other things to do, but I did want to ask you about a couple upcoming things. The not the Nosferatu project. How's that going? Oh, great so far. Um, yeah, thank you for knowing about that. We uh, yes, we're going to be doing a, a a remake of Nosferatu from the 1922 film, uh, the silent movie. Starring Max Schreck as Count Orlock, uh-huh. uh, and so uh, I will be playing the the Count Orlock, or AKA Nosferatu. Yes, uh, character. Oh, so that's so. Good. That's and, fantastic. Um, yeah. I'm so very excited about it because we're going to be doing it in the silent film style with the, oh, the same yes. costuming and the same makeup. Uh, well, diff- different makeup. It's going to be uh, a little, little, a uh, little more realistic looking. Uh, uh, Mike Elizalde, uh, who owns Spectral Motion Creature Shop, he's going to be fashioning my makeup that's going to glue onto my face. Um, but um, uh, we're doing it as a talkie, so it's going to have verbal dialogue. So it's, it'll be a silent film with sound. Uh-huh, right? Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> these, these new talkie pictures I've yeah. heard about. Right, yeah. A, a motion picture with talkie. <laughs> yeah. so, you got moxie, kid. Right, right. So we're, uh, we did the same, the same thing, uh, the same director. Uh, this director's name is David Lee Fisher. And uh, I met him when he cast me in the, uh, a remake of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Okay, it's a cool. 1919 silent film. It's a classic uh, horror film. It was one of, the, one of the first horror films ever made. Um, and we did a talky version of that as well. Um, awesome. Also fil- filmed in black and white mm-hmm. and filmed all of us actors on green screen. And so we could be plopped into match shots of the original film. Oh, so that's he, great. It was great. So we had wow. the original movie that we were playing inside of. It was really wow. uh, uh, magical. So we're going to do the same thing with Nosferatu. Where we're actually going to film us in green, on green screen and then plop us into the original movie. Uh, oh. So I'm not sure. he's And the technology's gotten better even since we did Caligari. So Nice. Um, very cool. And I just read the script for it finally. He, uh, he didn't show me the script until the rewrites have, have been finalized. And it's really a great script. It stays very true to the original film, uh, but with dialogue that helps explain what you missed in a silent film, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be going to be really fantastic. Now we have a, a you know a casting headache ahead of of, of him uh, <laughs> to get all these parts cast up. You know, and finding actors who are willing to do a, a lower budget film for a lesser salary uh, right. that have name right. attached to them. For the love of the project, yeah. For, right, that, that's, a, that's a tough sell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we just have to find actors who understand the art that we're trying to make uh, and, and we'll be willing to work for the salary that we're not going to make. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's great. I can't, I, I, I can't wait, wait to see that release for sure. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and then um, the other thing I want to ask you is I noticed recently uh, Ron Perlman on, tw- yes. on Twitter – uh, has been pushing for Hellboy three, which I would, I would yeah. love yeah, yeah. for there for there to be a third uh, movie, for that to be a trilogy. Right. Well, you know, uh, for for years now, since Hellboy two came out in, in two thousand eight, all I have heard from fans is, when will there be a Hellboy three? That's mm-hmm. the number one question I get. Right. Um, and so w- w- the answer has always been uh, Guillermo del Toro h- wrote these movies, the screenplays, with a Hellboy three in mind. He wanted a trilogy originally. Right. Uh huh. And he has he has a storyline in mind to, to bring it to a rousing close. Um, uh, he uh, he 
in fact, and, and even the Angel of Death character that I played in Hellboy 2 as well uh, uh, was boding of things to come. You know, Ooh, it was, it was, okay. uh, you know, talking about his destiny is to bring about the destru- destruction of the earth. Mm-hmm. That's what Hellboy was created for. Right. And I will be his death once that is, mission is accomplished or whatever. So that's, that's the future that's been prophesied. Uh-huh. So Hellboy 3 really can be a very dark storyline. Right. Well, yeah, you got to fulfill this prophecy. Right. So, uh, so, uh, so it's been, it's been planned all along. So Ron Perlman has always wanted to do it. He's always said Hellboy is his favorite character he ever played. Mm-hmm. I really want to come back and play Abe Sapien again. Cause he's also my favorite costume character I've ever played. Right. Selma Blair wants to play Liz Sherman again as well. And Guillermo wants to direct it again. Right. So yep. if all of us creatives are want to do it again, and it's not happening yet. Yeah. It's usually a money issue, isn't it? Right. Yeah. I, I would. Right. I assumed as much. Yeah. Full right, House so. is having the same problem, yo. <laughs> yo. Okay. Full House. <laughs> so so if so if it's a money issue, that means it's a studio issue, and that's that's way outside my expertise, and I don't. I'm not a mouthpiece or a, a spokesman for them. Right. So 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 a few days ago, I think it was Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Ron Perlman. I was I was scrolling through my t- we follow each other on Twitter. Yeah, I'm scrolling through my my news feed and da, 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 and there I see uh, him saying something about uh, if you want to see this made too, then uh, let's 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 get this mother effer trending. Right. Hashtag Hellboy I I I Hellboy three. Right? right. Roman numeral three. Yeah. Roman numeral three. Right. Uh, and then and then so I hit the reply button and said locking arms with you big brother red right <laughs> hashtag hellboy i i i right yeah and uh then well anyway what i didn't realize was the the forest fire that that would set off uh-huh. uh ron perlman's the response and the retweets and the favorites went into the fourteen thousand range wow awesome um uh and then then my my reply to him also hit all-time highs and um and uh, so, so then I posted a picture the next day of a, a split screen because I, I also guest starred on Sons of Anarchy once. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it was more of a guest cameo, really. The producers thought it would be a fun sight gag to have me be a prison guard when he was in prison <laughs> on the show. Right. It was a couple uh, couple years ago, right? A couple years ago. It was a, it was a very dark. Oh gosh, it was a very dark scene. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. I was a horrible, horrible person, and uh, so so I there was a screen. I uh, pl- there was a split screen a picture of of uh, the uh, a screen cap, a screen capture from Sons of Anarchy. He and I together in as people, and then a screen capture of he and I as Hellboy and Abe Sapien together. Right, and, uh, and so I posted a, a, a thing on on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all over the place that said. Uh, not the Hellboy three reunion you were hoping for in Sons of Anarchy. Uh, <laughs> then, let, then let's take Ron's advice and hashtag uh, Hellboy three and get you know get the studio's attention. So yeah, and listeners, please, please, by all means, go and hashtag Hellboy three. Let's get this done. Right. So please, yeah, because <laughs> I, I think it, it it did indeed get trending. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it hit all. It, it hit um, the 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 radar of and so I think Ron was just trying to to show whatever studio, whatever money people are out there, that there is an audience and they are rabid for a Hellboy three. Right. Uh, so he was just trying to get that going. So he ended up hitting, he got on the news and everything. I mean, oh my gosh. Um, so Selma Blair got in on the action as well. Um, uh, she was looped in on, on the, the Twittering back and forth. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so we, we've had a great fun time with it this past week, but um, so I, I hope it comes to some avail because I would want nothing more than to finish up a trilogy for all of you. Well, you see, I love this song. 
And I can't smile or cry. I think I have no tear ducts. Well, let me ask you this too. Like now, uh, uh, is Brozone still a thing? Yeah, I think we're going to do a third season uh, this fall. I'm actually moving to Chicago, uh, but I'm going to keep writing uh, for uh-huh. Defiance Comedy and, and all that stuff. So, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so they're coming back in the fall. We're going to do a third season, and we I do. I guess because I met you on the Brozone Twitter, and and you said you want, uh, you were saying something about you weren't quite as active on that Twitter page anymore. So I thought, is that because Brozone is 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 falling apart, or what's happening? I wanted <laughs> no, yeah, Defiance Comedy is still going. Brozone's just go still going. Um, and I'm going to continue to you know because Defiance Comedy is pretty much me and a couple other people. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot, and we do live stage sitcoms. So we'll do a show, and we have a new episode every two weeks. Um, so it's kind of like old school TV where you had to be there watching it. Or you missed it, um, but it's 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 just live is the concept. And Brozone was a sitcom we did, um, but we ended up we we had a we got these guys and we learned we wrote we wrote original music, had original choreography. They did four songs every episode. We ended up recording a couple albums, and it turned into a whole thing where we somewhat accidentally created a legitimate boy band. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they play concerts and bachelorette parties, and, and it's it's turned into some, some ridiculous shit. So. Isn't that awesome? That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they'll be coming back to the stage uh, here in the fall. So. Okay, great. Good, good. good stuff. <laughs> Why are you destroying our planet? I have no choice. Well, um, uh, well, Doug, yeah, well, uh, anything you want to leave us with, anything else you want to plug, definitely uh, people should check out The Strain and Falling Skies and um, Push for uh, and Nos- Nosferatu and Hellboy 3. Anything else you want to touch on before we get going? Right. Uh, yeah, my, my main push for the summer, of course, is, is Falling Skies, really. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it'll be, uh, it's a 10-episode season. It'll run throughout the summer from June 28th into August. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's our final season, so help us, help us cheer it on to, to a rousing close and see how these humans do. Um, but uh, also coming up uh, in October, mm-hmm. October 16th, is my next Guillermo del Toro film. Oh, okay. Um, he, Whoa. He, uh, his next big studio picture with legendary and uh, uh, pictures is uh, Crimson Peak. Oh, okay, okay. And so if you if you if you Google that or, or YouTube search Crimson Peak trailer, you will find uh, a delicious trailer that shows you a haunted house story set in the Victorian era, starring Tom Hiddleston, Jessica Chastain, uh, Charlie Hunnam, and Mia Wasikowska. Wow, what she a fantastic cast! Yeah, great cast. And I play a couple of ghost ladies in the haunted house. <laughs> okay. Uh, and and uh, Javier Botet, my 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 t- very tall, very skinny friend, uh, who played the mama ghost in Mama, mm-hmm. uh, he also plays a couple of lady ghosts in the haunted house. Okay, nice. I'm not going to tell you why uh, we are playing lady ghosts, uh, or okay. what the lady ghosts want, or why they're why they're haunting the house, or what what they what they're after, but. Uh, but the movie is extremely gorgeous and very Guillermo del Toro-ish. So oh, that's I can't October wait. 16th in theaters everywhere. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Well, yeah, and uh, just to extend the invitation, you know, if you're ever in town and you want to do some uh, some stage stuff, you know, or, or I'm sure Comedy Sports Indianapolis, uh, I'm sure would love to have you if you want to. And Absolutely. we've had other perform. I don't know if you know Derek Mears, who plays Jason Voorhees. Oh, my um, gosh. We, we're, yes, we're friends. I love Jason. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah, anytime he comes through, he always, you know, steps on stage at Comedy Sports. So to extend that invitation, you know, take that business card, set it in your wallet. Maybe five years from now, no, uh, sure. <laughs> you know, if you're ever in the area, we'd we'd uh, you know love to yeah. do something with you. So absolutely, Cody Jefferson. I know Cody Jefferson. <laughs> I could I could pull him out yeah. of my wallet. Yeah. Out of my wallet, there it is. You are the next Nasenex guy. You are. You really are. <laughs> 
Great. All right. Well, Doug Jones uh, has been uh, a pleasure having you on. A pleasure to yeah. talk to you. And next week, we're going to be covering 1973's The Exorcist. So make sure to revisit that one before next week. And as always, you can find us on social media, Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Head Cannon, Instagram, Head Cannon Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod or the subreddit r slash horror movie pod. Thanks again for joining us. And this has been Head Cannon. Ah! Oh,